Friends, we have come to the final week in the sermon series that we have been calling The Lost Stories of Genesis. These are stories that appear to have been lost in the shadows of the more familiar stories like Adam and Eve, Noah and the Ark, and the saga of Abraham and his family. Or they might be stories that are often left untold from the pulpit or in our Sunday school classes and Bible studies because of the troubling nature of the text, like the story of Dinah that Catherine bravely wrestled with um, us last week. This week's story, the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, is another one of these difficult texts. It is found in the midst of Joseph's story, the episode of drama immediately following the moment he was sold into slavery by his brothers. It tells a story of a situation where power dynamics are exploited and Joseph is wrongly accused of rape. By simply being in the narrative of scripture, of God's great story of love, God gives us the unique opportunity this morning to give voice to persons who find or have have found themselves in situations where they too are exploited or falsely accused of something they did not do. So this morning, as we read and pick apart this story together, I invite you to approach this, this scripture the way that I often approach more difficult texts. First, I begin by grounding myself in one or two truths that I've come to know about who God is in my own life and through the bounds of scripture uh, and through prayer. And by resting on these truths, it truths. It's a way to remind myself that even though as I read difficult texts that make me ask hard questions, I do have a foundation that I can fall back on, that I can lean on to help me. The truths that I used in reading through this text for this morning are these. First, is that even when God appears silent, God is always present, doing something. The second truth is that God deeply cares about those who are made to feel or be powerless by the world's standards. So even when God's silent, God is always doing something. And God deeply cares for those who are powerless. After grounding myself in some truths, I often hold two questions in my heart as I read through the text. And I offer these questions for us this morning. The first question is, God is always present and doing something. And because that's true, what is God up to in this story? The second question is what is God's invitation to us in this text? What is God inviting us to? So I invite you to hold these questions in your heart as we read through this scripture this morning. 
Hear these words from Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master, Potiphar is his name. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended to him. Made, he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Now Joseph was a handsome and good-looking man. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, with me here, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my hand. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not consent to lie beside her or to be with her. One day, however, when he went into the house to do his work, and while no one else was in the house, she caught hold of his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. When, he, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called out to the members of her household and said to them, See, my husband has brought among us a Hebrew to insult us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And when he heard me raise my voice and cry out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Then she kept his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to insult me. But as soon as I raised my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. When his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, saying, This is the way your servant treated me. He became enraged, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He remains there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison, and whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. My friends, this is the word of God given to us as the children of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found pleasing in your sight. 
this morning. For you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Can you imagine for a moment what it would be like to be in Joseph's position? After the harrowing ordeal of being sold into slavery and having no clue what the future would hold for him, I wonder if he was thanking the heavens above for the good fortune of being placed in Potiphar's house, a man with extreme wealth and good position in Egypt. So, in an effort to simply survive, he tried to keep his head down, doing his assigned tasks, and trying his best to stay out of trouble, until trouble came to find him. If it were me in that position, ripping myself out of my cloak in order to flee this particular situation, I wonder if I might have waited in a different part of the house in the shadows for Potiphar to return in an effort to get to him to explain the situation first. Or maybe in an angry fit of righteous rage, burst into the room where Potiphar's wife was trying to sully my name and clear the air. At the very least, if all else failed, I wonder if I would blame God. Shake my fist at the heavens and ask why? Why me? After everything that has already happened, why this? You know, I think anyone forced into Joseph's situation would feel angry and scared and overwhelmingly defeated, made to feel so minuscule. And I wonder if Joseph were to have been given the opportunity, if he would have even been able to present his case for innocence. But he wasn't given that opportunity. Instead, Potiphar sent him straight to prison. There was no pass and go. There was no collecting $200. Potiphar simply sent him away. It would have been completely understandable, even expected, for Joseph to give up on himself, on life, even on God in that moment, to shut down and to simply wither away behind those prison bars. But he didn't, because Joseph made a choice, a choice that he had made once before. Remember the day that he was sold into slavery by his own brothers? Scorned by betrayal, scared about the unknown future ahead, Grieved and being separated from his beloved father and younger brother, Joseph could have chosen to give up then. He could have chosen to give up on life, on himself, on God. But he didn't. Instead, Joseph chose to show up, 
And maybe he rested on a truth that he had heard from his father, the truth that God was always with him and chose to utilize the gifts that God had already given him in Potiphar's house, this new place with this new master. Joseph's showing up, his choice to not give up, didn't negate the turmoil that he had been feeling by the betrayal. It didn't negate the feelings of anger he might have been having. But because he chose not to give up, because he chose to use the gifts that God had given to him, God made Joseph's hands prosper. Through the work of Joseph's hands, he was able to earn an even better position in Potiphar's house. Joseph made a choice then. So now, behind the iron bars of false accusations, it's right that we see Joseph make the same choice once again. Hear these words again from Scripture. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison. And whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. You see, Joseph trusted in the God who continued to show up for him every time he did a task. And that task eventually was made to prosper. He trusted in God's steadfast love and used God's favor as an opportunity to continue living into the gifts that God had given him, to continue living out his faith, even in the midst of calamity, even when a part of him was probably still angry and hurt and made to feel so small and insignificant. In response to Joseph's choice, God once again made him prosper in this new place and position as a caregiver of other prisoners. Friends, this is the power of faithfulness. Faithfulness is resting not on your own strength in times of trouble, but resting on this truth that God is faithful. That God is able, willing, and ready to show up for us if we allow it. If we rest on God's love that always shows up for us, then maybe, just maybe, we can make the same choice that Joseph did and show up too. But what does it look like to rest on God's faithfulness, even when we cannot see God's love at work, even when we are so pressed down that we don't even know which way is up anymore? What does it look like to show up for ourselves, for our families, for one another, and for God, when honestly, we would rather not? Rachel Held Evans was a young, progressive voice in the theological world 
a brilliant author and blogger. She was someone I greatly looked up to as I was making my way towards seminary because she was absolutely fearless in speaking out and writing the truth in love about what was going on in both the political world and the theological world. But friends, even people who appear to be fearless struggle at times. In one of her blog posts, Rachel was reflecting on a time when she allowed negative comments and mean-spirited people to bring her so low to such a place of powerlessness that she didn't think she could continue, could continue in ministry the way that she always had, that she could not continue to use the gifts that God had given her for the very, very work that made her heart glad. And reflecting on the journey in that season, Rachel said this about what faithfulness looks like for her. All I can see is the next word, the next post, the next prayer, the next Sunday, the next bit of wafer and wine, the next story, the next need, the next comment, the next baby bird to jump out of the nest in our carport, the next nudge of the spirit, the next puzzle, the next question, the next random thing that nettles my brain and screams, right, my job is to be faithful to that. No more, no less. And there is no other way to take it but a day at a time. My job is to be faithful to that. No more, no less. In other words, faithfulness and showing up isn't this grand entrance or some big gesture. Showing up in the midst of the deep struggles of life, being faithful to ourselves and to God, simply looks like choosing the next step forward. It's the next minute, the next hour, the next dirty dish that needs to be cleaned, the next doctor's appointment, the next job interview, the next prayer that is etched on your heart that you can't help but scream out to God. It's the next sunrise, the next rainbow, the next gathering with your friends that remind you that you are loved. It's the next whatever that next step looks like for you. It's choosing to show up to that next thing and offering everything that you can of yourself in that moment. And in doing so, again and again and again, until this present moment of distress and disappointment and lowliness is nothing but a memory. What we know of Joseph's story is that he continues to choose to show up. He continues to take the next faithful step forward again. And again, 
and again. And again and again. Each time choosing to show up, resting on his faith in God's faithfulness, offering himself fully and living out his faith in God through the gifts that God had already given him to do the work of taking the next step until those steps brought him in front of his brothers, the very same brothers who brought this calamity about in the first place years and years ago. And after all of those steps, after all of those choices, those moments of showing up, he was able to say this about to the ones who betrayed him. Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people just as our God is doing today. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. The beauty of this deep theological phrase is not only the forgiveness and the meaning-making that Joseph has done over the time and distance and space through his harrowing journey of choices and showing up. The beauty is also in the word good. The Hebrew word tov, used in only one other chapter in Genesis. God saw all that God had made, and he called it very good. Friends, you see, the overarching truth revealed in Joseph's story, and in all of the stories of Genesis, lost or not, is that our God longs for the tov. Our God longs for divine goodness to abound. Joseph's story teaches us that we, each and every one of us, are invited to partner with God in bringing about that divine toveness, that divine goodness. We, right here and right now, are invited to make a choice to choose the good to choose to show up and to take that next faithful step despite what be, might be happening in our world or even what's happening within our own hearts. We, all of us, you and me, are invited to lean on the truth that the God of loving kindness is hard at work bringing about the good always and everywhere, in every season of our lives. And we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are empowered to join in that divine work. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.